the In Conversation podcast series with author Nigel Beckles. Welcome to the podcast. Please like the podcast and subscribe to this channel. Thank you. Have you experienced several failed relationships or been through a divorce? How can you avoid making the same mistakes again? How to avoid making the big relationship mistakes is out now. Hi, my name is Nigel Beckles. My book is packed with practical and common sense strategies that you can use to make better relationship choices. Now you can discover the dangerous myths about love. If your relationship expectations are realistic, why you could be falling in love for all the wrong reasons. How to avoid making the big relationship mistakes. It's a book that could change your life. Available from Amazon.co.uk. Kindle version also available. Please join us for the very first Indie Pods United Convention. This online event is for both new and veteran podcasters, where we will listen and learn from each other. The online Indie Pods United Convention begins on the 29th November through until the 3rd of December 2020, featuring amazing shows and information to learn more about the great world of podcasting. For more information and to register for this unmissable event, please visit the website now, IndiePodsUnited.com. Indie Pods United Convention. Together we listen. Sponsored by Pinecast, Reset Business Consulting, the SJ Network, Rocabella, Cami, and Kelly. Get ready for takeoff. Welcome back to my In Conversation podcast series. My guest for this episode is UK singer and entrepreneur, Yui Crawford. Hi, Yui. Welcome to my podcast series. How are you? Hey, how are you doing, Nigel? I'm, I'm fine, thanks. A little bit chilly in London town, but there you go. So what have you been up to recently? Quite a few things, actually, in terms of um, working and looking for new premises and also finishing off a new track, which is going to be out quite soon. But yeah, just basically just living and um, self-isolating, as it were, <laughs> as the whole world's doing at the moment. Well, most of the world, yes. But you said looking for new premises. So let's go back a bit. Um, where did you grow up and what was it like? Well, I came from Jamaica in 1969 and um, grew up in Tooting, good old Tooting, yeah, straight out of Tooting. So Tooting was my first port of call um, in London, which is absolutely a fantastic time because obviously growing up back in the 70s, we're very carefree. We had very, very little to worry about. Less cars on the road, no mobile phones. Growing up was really nice. And um, from I was about 18, 19, I was in, um, moved to Brixton. So after you left school, what was your first job? I actually studied for electrical engineering to become an, an electrician. After I was told that we'd probably end up in a factory. Lo and behold, I ended up where? In a factory, yeah, doing uh, engineering. I was there for four weeks, nice, because it wasn't actually my, my calling. So why did you decide to become self-employed? I've always been a kind of free spirit. Always going to be in kind of free spirit. And um, I was working, I've worked for a few different firms. I was doing insurance. Yeah, a lot of us started doing insurance. And um, we was in the West End. It was actually the first black firm in the West End. I ended up working for a few different people, a few different firms. The self-employed bit came in when I was trying to uplift myself and get somewhere further in my career. At the time I was doing um, retail and um, I applied for the trainee area manager's job. We'll never forget it. I applied for the job. There were seven people that went for the job up in Marble Arch, up in London. I was the only black guy, funny enough that went for that particular position. The one with the most experience, practical experience, um, as well as the theoretical experience, I ended up not getting the job um, because they took someone straight out of university, 
to actually do the job that they'd never actually done any kind of manual labour to know that the, in the field. I was quite disappointed. So was my area manager at the time because my area manager was the one that put me up for the job, said I should definitely go for it because there's no reason why I shouldn't get it. After not getting it, I felt quite disappointed. I stayed there for another, I suppose, another year and then left, not actually knowing what I was going to do. I just left. I thought, you know what? I'm not, I can't say it. At that time, I was still doing my music as well. So I was all along that course of, of time I was doing my music. I was singing and writing. I was in a band. So I decided, look, let me just go and do some music, you know. And I suppose that's when I became self-employed because I then stopped working for anybody and started doing something for myself. Realising that I needed to also eat, I found um, a wholesaler who used to sell T-shirts and stuff. And I started buying T-shirts and selling T-shirts. Again, at that time, I didn't know anything about designer wear. I didn't know about Armani and Dolce & Gabbana and all this kind of stuff. But there was names that I heard. People were very much interested in them. I decided to buy those products. And because they were selling so quickly, and I had to replenish my stock all the time, I then decided to go into it full time. So I understand you recently had issues with your retail premises in Tooting Market, London. So, first of all, how long were you operating from that location? Prior to Tooting Market, I was in Brixton. I was in Acre Lane for 15 years. This is after all what I've told you with, with the T-shirts. It progressed on to shops because I was selling from the boot of my car for a few years. I must admit, it was great because I never had any overheads apart from my stock and my petrol. It progressed on to a shop which I had in Stratton with a partner. Lost a lot of, lot of stock there and moved on to Acre Lane. Um, where it was for 15 years. Lane, I was in Tooting Market, full circle, basically, because I ended up back in Tooting after all those years, which is ironic that I ended up back in Tooting. And right in front of the butcher shop that I used to stand outside with my mum when she was to pull her trolley to go and buy meat. Right? So <laughs> it was crazy. But as I said, I was in Tooting Market for nine years. There was, an, there was a situation where the police was involved recently, and um, I ended up having to vacate from Tooting Market because of that situation that took place in the market, which was wrong intelligence. Police have subsequently apologised, which is too late because obviously that's taken away one's livelihood in terms of what I used to do. It is what it is. It has, however, stopped me from continuing to do what I'm doing. How and why did the police get involved with your shop, with your premises? That question I can't really answer fully because I don't know how and I don't know how they got their intelligence or whatever. But apparently it was just not myself. There's also another shop involved in it as well. And there's 60 shops in there. And uh, apparently the police said, from what I gather, that they got intelligence that we were major drug dealers, right? So, you know what I mean? We were major drug dealers in a market, of course. It happens that they came to my unit and another person in the market. They came to our units. The only two black businesses that had been in there for years plus, and there was a couple of other people who had been in there around the same kind of time, but they picked on the two of us because we were quite two popular businesses. We'd actually just renovated both our shops. Obviously, COVID had hit and was all locked down. So after lockdown, we came back with the new empathus and, um, you know, brand new visual. People were actually seeing us visually new for the first time. And the business actually picked up quite well because of that. The intelligence that they had, they said that they had intelligence over a matter of a number of months that um, this was taking place. So they've decided to get some warrants, which they did. They then hit his shop and my shop, subsequently um, resulting in him getting a new contract out of it and me having to vacate 
the market. In between all that and, you know, surrounding all that is the prostate cancer situation, which I'm in. I have prostate cancer, which was diagnosed in 2013, which subsequently I took treatment for. So I've been self-treating myself as well. I stopped smoking. I stopped um, taking dairy. There's a lot of stuff that I gave up. I just reinvented my whole um, lifestyle, my eating habits, everything changed. And um, obviously I've been self-medicating myself as well looking into different medications that people do use for this cannabis being one of them cannabis oil legal cannabis which is world worldwide now everyone knows about that now very big in california and different other places in america which they use for for various glaucoma and different other other ailments so i myself went into that as well and i happen to have some which i'd used for my smoothies which I use in our smoothies, sprinkle it onto my salad, which I eat greens every day, and I make the tea. And I just happened to have had some on me that day, um, which I just just finished making some tea when they came, which is like ironic, really. Hence, they decided that that was the reason for them to, to, to pursue me as a major drug dealer. I must say that they came with helicopters. Um, they came with riot shields. They came with dogs. Um, over 30 officers to no avail because what they were looking for was probably class A. You know, obviously they had some totally wrong intelligence. The rest is history, really. I must add, Scotland Yard commander, Scotland Yard commander behind the drug force, drug enforcement strategies, I think his name is Commander uh, Julian Bennett, also came out into the open and told the general public um, via the Daily Mail that he also uses cannabis for his medical purposes. So, again... There you go. I threw that one up in the air so people know that, look, I'm just an ordinary guy, you know, and he's a commander who deals with um, the strategies behind cannabis um, has come out and said he uses it for his own medical purposes. So um, I'm hopefully we're both sitting on the same sofa and I'm not sitting on a different one than him. Well, I use CBD oil myself and obviously it's cannabis free in terms of, I think it's THC it's called. Um, yes, the the actual chemical that makes you high or makes a person high, and it's as you say, it's quite legal. Yeah. So, what have you been doing since the raid then, and you've left the premises? Well, you know, I'm still doing my music. I've not stopped doing that. So, I we recorded a, a track some time ago, and I went back with the producer, and we, we spoke about releasing it. I've also, as I said, just put myself into a storage facility where people can still come and purchase their stock. I've also um, decided to go fully e-commerce as well. So I've got an e-commerce website, which will be coming live in the next two weeks' time. So people can actually shop worldwide um, from my site and still do all my ex- exclusive wear. A lot of the local local designers as well as us get into a lot of their products as well, which I actually market and sell. So I'm still doing everything that I used to, but at the moment, obviously quite tentatively, one, because of covid and two, because I'm looking for, again, a new visual premises as well. So you mentioned music previously. So what inspired you to become a singer? I've always loved music. From a younger age, I used to sing. And everyone comes out and says, yeah, man, I used to sing in church. It was a gospel. And no, we did used to have to sing in Sunday school and stuff like that. But my brother and I and a friend of ours, Paul Staples, we all started a band called Special Occasion. We were actually totally useless at that time it was all learning the craft as we got better over the years we ended up supporting Roy Ayers um, in Frisbee Park we did a massive show with Roy Ayers and Cheryl Lynn as I said from then I said you know what this is where I need to be going 
I, I realized that I did have a voice. Some of my favorite, like, um, you know, God Rest His Soul, Marvin Gaye, people like Aretha and people like that I used to listen to back in the day, inspired me to, to go on and do what I do now musically. So when was your first track released and what was it called? I Just Don't Know. <laughs> That's the name of the track. Really. <laughs> I thought that was your answer. <laughs> <laughs> At that time, I was working with people like Mary Rose, Wayne Marshall, big up to Jack Rubin, who's still my business partner in the, in the production company that we run, Launchpad Media. Back then, Irene, um, who just mm. recently passed away, God rest her soul. She we, we was all part of the whole clique back then. As I say, we all got spontaneous releases on singles, and I just don't know was the release of the, the single mm. at that time. So how many tracks have you released, Yui? Okay, so I've done four albums. The first album, to be quite honest with you, no one's actually heard at all. It's never been out. It's never been put out. And the reason for that is I was working for, with a guy, Mark Millington, and another one called Aaron Fieldman, Twilight Productions. We wrote and produced an album of songs, which was punted out to a few major companies. We did get a few little offers on there, but nothing that spurned us on to want to take. They were quite dodgy offers, to be quite honest with you. And not having representation at that time, we didn't actually pursue any of those. My second album, which is the first album release, I was signed to Diverse Recordings through Motown. So it's an album called Ready or Not, and uh, did quite well. Um, it went on to be signed by Caliber Records, Howard Hewitt's label over in, in North America. It did quite well. It g- gave me a lot of airing. I got quite a few gigs out of that. Met quite a few of some of my heroes, to be quite honest with you. Ended up on Shirley Jones's album, Jones Girls, doing some backing vocals for her. So yeah, it's that's Ready or Not was the first album. And since then, after the demise of, of the record label, I set up my own label, you know, did like a, a home study course on publishing and stuff. So I kind of got to know the business because like most of us, we all got ripped off back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of these major companies, major houses do owe a lot of us. But as I say, it was a, a price to pay to learn the business, you know, and um, obviously I went on from there to start my own label. And the last two albums that I've done come out on my own label. So what inspired your latest track and what's that called? The latest track is a, a track called In the Name of Love. In this kind of day and age, the 20th century, you wouldn't expect people to still be suffering the way they do. And, you know, a few songs have been written over the years, um, Free the World, etc., etc. A few people have done songs like that. And this is in the same kind of vein. It was a colleague of mine who actually had the lyrics written down and stuff like that. And uh, he called me and said, look, I've got this song that I've penned and he wants me to interpret it, and um, which I did. Obviously, added my little flavours and my little two pennies worth uh, lyrically to it as well. It just turned out to be such a beautiful, poignant song for the times. So we've decided, OK, um, we did do the, the song a little while ago, but we've decided now would be an ideal time for the song to come out, to be released, for the public to hear it, because it's, it's just depicts the whole times that we are living in at the moment. 
you know, and the fact that we do need to have peace on earth, you know what I mean, and goodwill, which we haven't got at the moment. And uh, I think this song is quite inspiring, actually, for not only for us who's, you know, the writer and the, the singer, but also for people who actually will listen to it. So, Yui, what are your plans for the future? Health is the main thing, to get my health in very good shape, to also try and do something which is going to be more of a legacy, something that I can leave to say, well, yeah, I've done that and that's going to be something that's beneficial to the mass. And um, live a long life, really, and, and keep on making music. That's basically it. Come into the world with nothing, we're going to all leave with nothing. So, Because money is people's god nowadays. And it's a shame because, like, we all need it, but the times we're living in, come on, you know, that's the least of our worries at the moment. So health, strength and goodwill. That's basically it, to keep on doing, making some good good songs. Well, as they say, your health is your wealth. No doubt about that. So, Yui, how can people contact you? I'm contactable through social media. So you can contact me on Instagram. Yeah, you can hit me up on Instagram. You can hit me up on Facebook, Huey Crawford. You can get me on www.hueycrawford.com, my website, my YouTube channel. So I'm very contactable. Okay, Huey Crawford, entrepreneur and music artist. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Nigel. God bless. If you are interested in being a guest on the In Conversation podcast series, please. Visit the website, author, Nigel, Beckles, podcast.com. Thanks. Thank you for listening. Please like and subscribe. Another In Conversation podcast coming soon.